Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. The stick Eisenman has been called. It's the stick of Marty McSorley. Welcome to Marty's Illegal Stick, a hockey history podcast with your host, Scott Kimville. Let's hop on that Zamboni time machine and go back in time to look at hockey's glorious history. And what's going on, hockey fans? And welcome to another brand new episode of Marty's Illegal Stick, a hockey history podcast here on the Sports History Network. We're recording on Wednesday, July 21st, 2022. And I got to tell you, we're in upstate New York and we're sweltering. We're, we're, we're Oh my God, it's hot here. It really is. But you know what? It's nice and cool in here. Dave, you got the studio set. It's, it's like a nice, it's like a nice skating rink in here. Yeah, sure. And it's blowing on my arm here, and I'm dying. I'm freezing to death. Anyway, yeah. What? It's cold. I'm cold. Oh boy, I tell you, I like that heat out there. Is that good? That's why I got that University of Texas shirt on. Yeah, well, we're not going outside to record. You can get that idea right out of your <laughs> yeah, head. Okay, all right. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you're not watching on YouTube, that voice that you hear is, of course, the producer, the sidekick, the young Jedi around here of hockey knowledge. <laughs> Mr. Dave the Save Warner, what's going on? Not much. No? Yeah, no, not a thing. No? Good. That's good. I'm, I'm real short on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, blues knowledge, so this ought to be good. That's okay, because you know what? <laughs> I'm going to explain what we're going to do today, okay. and I've got a, pre- a St. Louis blues expert yeah, here Okay, today. I hope so. So, so this is going to be awesome. So we are going to start a new segment here at Marty's Legal Stick, a hockey history podcast that we're going to do on occasion. It's called The Best of the Best. So what we're going to do is we're going to take teams from the past or present teams that have got long histories, and we are going to make basically the best of the best of those teams. And how it's going to work is this. We're going to create a first team. Oh, this this week we're going to do the St. Louis Blues. A first team Blues All-Star or first team Blues All-Star team, a second team all-time Blues All-Star team, and we're going to have honorable mentions. Now there's a little caveat with this, though. That particular Blue or whoever it is we do for this segment had to have spent at least three seasons with the team. We don't want to – I'm invoking what I'm going to call the Wayne Gretzky rule here because as great <laughs> as Wayne Gretzky is, all right, Wayne Gretzky only played realistically like a half a season with the Blues. So I, I don't I, – when I hear Wayne Gretzky, it doesn't scream St. Louis Blues to me. So at least three seasons with the Blues or any other team for that matter. So to help us out with this, I have a proverbial St. Louis Blues expert with us. He is the host of the Blue, the, I'm sorry, the Blue Note Fan Report. I'll spit it out in just a second. Say that three times. Yeah, no fast. kidding, right? <laughs> Coming to us from the beautiful islands of Hawaii, it is Mr. Guy Bensing. What's going on, Guy? Well, hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me today, Scott. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's 3 o'clock here, so it's about 9 o'clock where you're at in the morning. Had to 9 a.m. Aloha. Man, oh, man. <laughs> How do I, I get that gig? Yeah, right? <laughs> I hope we didn't get you out of bed too soon. That's... uh. <laughs> so you know i i would as, as much as everyone thinks it's so great being that i live in hawaii i would much rather live in st louis and be in the center of blues world 
uh, in a heartbeat. And I think, Scott, I think you know that. I, yeah, I, I've got that impression from you from uh, from the couple times I've been on your show and uh, and talking with you. So uh, let me ask you a question. How is it being a hockey fan out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? Um, it, it's tough at times. So, I mean, do you mind a little background on me first? Absolutely not. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in St. Louis in a, in a suburb uh, about 25 miles from downtown, but I ended up going to high school downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a naval high school. We were the only full-time NJROTC in the country, second largest naval academy to the Naval Academy. And I ended up joining the Navy in 1987. I served from 1987 to 2007. And with that, my last duty station was here in Hawaii. And as I was getting ready to retire, looking for jobs, we were looking. uh, My family kind of wanted to go to the West Coast, even though I didn't. Uh, Something popped up here in Hawaii. Uh, We stayed and I kind of grew roots that I'm trying to chop up. (laughs) So that's how a blues fan. That's how a blues fan ends up in Hawaii. Well, that's that's a very uh, that's an interesting story for sure. So, uh. Are there any hockey rinks out there in Hawaii? Uh, yeah, actually we do. Well, we, we have an indoor um, indoor roller rink, mm-hmm. right, I- I- arena, with two, two rinks, and they play regularly. We have a hockey rink here on Oahu. However, it's being refurbed right now. COVID kind of shut it down, and, and I don't know where they're at in the refurbation. I mean, I want to get back out and start playing. Um, I, you know, I, I, I am – I don't know if you can see this jersey here – uh, I don't know if you know what the Warrior Program is. I've heard of uh, it. Right? The the Hockey Warrior Program from USA Hockey is a program for disabled vets that that are are not physically – well, they're dis- they're listed as disabled, 10% disabled, mm-hmm. but it's not sled hockey like everyone thinks. These guys right. are, can skate and do the regular things. Um, I am, I'm an honorary member of them okay. uh, because of the show. And, and they, they know that if I was in St. Louis, I'd be skating every day. In fact, uh, last year, this time I broke my wrist in my second practice. So my warrior career lasted all in 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as long as Wayne Gretzky stayed in St. Louis then. Is that what you're saying? Uh, somewhat, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I know your caveat and I get it, but he's still going to be on my honorable mention list because he did more in that cup of coffee than some players did in years. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess you, I guess you, you could say that. And, and we can talk this about this a little bit. You have to understand where hockey was in, in, in St. Louis. There was a very, in 1983, St. Louis doesn't even show up to the draft. They don't even have an owner. Their owner sold the team to Saskatchewan. Right. And, right. and the NHL said no. So the owner handed the keys to the arena and the offices to the NHL and says, here you go. <laughs> right? So, so, so hockey in St. Louis has, has been somewhat tumultuous at times. And then you have in 88, you have this, this 88, 89 when Brett Hull comes along, he starts to bring this, this je ne sais quoi, this, this quality, this Midwestern feel. To what hockey can be, and then you know, in the '95 season, '90, you know, '96, you get um, Wayne Gretzky leaving LA to come to St. Louis, and, and partially because his wife is from that area. In fact, his wife lived about four miles from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. That's right? really cool in the same area. So, uh, so he, what he when he got there. The fans that you have now, a lot of the fans that you have now 
are because of Gretzky's short stint. That's why, for me, he'll get that honorable mention. Well, since it's an honorable mention, I guess we can we can waive the caveat. I mean, what the heck? They waived the waiting period for him to get into the Hall of Fame, so I, I suppose yeah. I could bend a little bit too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, well, see, well, my list. So, so I thought a lot about this, and and I have a website, and I don't write on it as much as I should, but it's called the St. Louis Fan Report, stlfanreport.com. and I wrote an article on there, um, and I called it. Uh, hold on a second. I, I pulled it up here to have it available. What makes a blue a blue my top 10 blues of all time? And my what makes a blue, it's not just stats to me, right? There's there's other things involved. There, there's things that, you know, what bleeding blue really means, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, I mentioned in the article, I say, Bobby Plager has been with the organization as a player, coach, and ambassador since the beginning, should he be left off the list because he wasn't a great player? You know, so it's it's not just what they did on the ice that matters. It's what they did on and off the ice and what they mean to the blue note. Right, right. So, so my list is not going to be – I think my list, and, and I worked on it last night and today and, you know, really went around, and I'm not great at numbers, so I've got them all pulled up on me. My list isn't going to be the list that you think it is, I think. And that's what's going to make this so interesting, right? Because, I mean, as you can see by my shirt, I'm an, actually an L.A. Kings fan. Yeah. Um, but I was, he's <laughs> guy, he's a Buffalo Sabres fan. So, But I, I, I can't make too much fun because I'm like, I'm telling you, Buffalo's going to be dynamite in a couple of years. I, oh, I know. I, I think they are, too. I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that one, bud. But but still, he's he's learning, guys, so we, we just bear with him for a second. <laughs> Quit making but, excuses. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but no, that's a, you know what, and that's what I kind of had in mind too when I was coming up with the different you know caveats is that you know there's there's got to be an impact on the organization as well. And you're right in the fact that impact isn't always on the stat sheet. It's everywhere. It's it's off the ice. It's in the front office. It's it's everywhere. So well, I guess see, there, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm sorry, I, I, no, I have good. a bad habit of jumping out. When, no, no, you're good. I don't wait for things. When something pops into my mind, I, I spit it out. I'm the same way because I'll forget my it. My number 10 blue was the front office. Hey, there you go. Right? Because what they have done over the years and the different ownerships and to, to maintain that fan base and to have that, that, that love of the note, the blues, blues fans travel well. They travel very, very well. You, you, you're not going to go to a game that the Blues are playing and see a smattering of Blues fans. You're going to see a large contingent of Blues fans. They're one of the best traveling teams in the league. Right. Exactly. So, and, and, and you attribute that to the front office and what they've done to 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 make sure that people understood what the note meant. Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So before we get into our list, now this these Blues teams that we're going to make up have to have a place to play. So I'm going to ask you, the arena or the Scott Trade Center? Oh, God. I'm going with the arena one. just because uh, I'm, I'm old school. And, well, see, I, I, I love the arena, right? I, I, I do. But I also love Scott Trade. I like the I like the openness. I like the feel of it. Um, but if, if you want, you're, you're talking all time, yes, it's got to be the arena. There was, and this was, I remember this when ESPN first started taking over. I want to say this was 92 or 93 with the arena. Uh, they had, this is especially, this is when the wave was really, really big, mm-hmm. right? So, so late 80s, early 90s, they had taken an outline 
of the uh, the arena. They had a camera up, and they had an outline of the arena. And when the wave was going, they split the camera, and you could see the building shifting around the <laughs> wow. around the line. Wow! Right? <laughs> that that building, you could feel that building move. Oh yeah! Right? It it was something special. Now, I actually, as a Blues fan, I got to do something. That um, you, you know, Windy City. You've met Windy City yep. from Windy City Hockey. Uh, Nick, he's so jealous of me of this. I was at the very last Blackhawks game at Chicago Stadium. Ooh, the Madhouse High Madison. The the one nothing loss to Toronto in Game Seven. I was at that game. No kidding. Yep, I had I had just come back from I had, I was stationed in Japan. I had gotten uh, stationed up in uh, uh, a naval base in, in Illinois in Great Lakes, which is northern about fifty miles north of Chicago, mm-hmm. outside of the city in the uh, Wahegan kind of area, and uh, I had I had ended up putting my name in a, in a drawing and had won the right to purchase tickets to that game. So it was the first hockey game I'd really gone to in years. Wow. Wow. But it didn't matter to me. It was a hockey game, you know? Right, right. And I got to be honest, I mean, I've never been to the arena. I've never been to the Scott Trade Center. But anybody who's been listening to the show for a while is going to go, oh, here we go again. We're going to go off on that tangent. But I'm <laughs> telling you, those old buildings, there's just something so much more special about them than just about anything you see nowadays. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have Modern day arenas are beautiful, and you've got every amenity you could want and the creature comforts, and it's great. And it's a great experience. But to me, I mean, I, and again, maybe it's just because I'm so old school, but nothing beats the feeling of those old arenas. They, they've done a very good job at Scott Trade to have that arena feel to it. Good. It, good. it does. It does have a little bit of the arena feel, the way that they've set the seats. You know, some of those seats, especially in the upper levels, those seats have almost that same tilt right. that the arena had. So it, it's got some of that same. And I remember the Checkerdome. So Yeah, right. There you go. There you go. Right, All right. It's called the Checkerdome. So I've been around a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've got a place to play, I say we start putting these teams together. Dave, I don't know if you have a drum roll in that uh, magical you know, bank of sounds you want that you got. You want a big drum roll? Sure. Give us a drum roll. Uh, we got one somewhere. All right. So let's go with our honorable mentions first. We're going to start off at the bottom and work our way up. And okay. I didn't ask you this earlier, and I probably should have. Well, can you give me an honorable mention coach for this team? Ooh, that's tough. I see. I and if you can't, I like I said, I, I throw a curveball at you a little bit. I should have said something earlier, I, I think, and I didn't. Yeah, I think for coach, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, the current coach, uh, Craig Berube. I think I'll, I'll, he'll be my honorable mention. Uh, he, he's only been there three years, four years. Um, but he has a, a huge winning record. He's got he doesn't have a winning record in the playoffs, but he's getting there. Uh, he has he has the ability to be that guy, that coach, very right. very soon. And he also has the ability. And he did something that no other coach has done. He brought the cup, lifted the so Stanley I gave Cup. Him that. Exactly. Right. Yep. Exactly. You know what? He was on. He was right there for me too. And I also included because I couldn't decide. Uh, Brian Sutter. So, uh, no, Sutter, Sutter is is a little higher for me. So okay, okay. Well, like I said, you you know much more about the Blues than I do, so I'll take your yeah. word for it. <laughs> All right, guys. So on our honorable mention list, who is your goalie? Oh, see, now that's that's a a tough one. And we were talking about this last night on my show after everybody popped off, and um, I, I think you know I gave a lot of thought to this, and I got to go with Mike Liut. Okay, right. 
Mike Leute, and he holds the record for uh, most wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and I think that number is 151. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here to make sure because I, I don't remember. You know, the, my, my time in the service is kind of um, mess with my uh, head a little bit. So, so he, yeah, uh, 151 wins. And, uh, you know, Jake Allen would have beat it if they wouldn't have traded him, but they traded him. I've, I, I had a, I did an interview with Mike Leo, and you could just tell that what St. Louis meant to him, right? And, and, and it was important. Uh, Leo played from 79 to 85, 347 games, um, 358 uh, goals against average, 882 save percentage. Not the greatest of numbers, but you know what? That's not what's important. The number that matters, and this is, and I talked to somebody else that's onto my list, and I won't mention her name yet. <laughs> right? What matters is the W. That's right. And, and, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that person here in a little bit. I think. Okay. Well, I'll give you mine, and I, I had a really hard time deciding between, believe it or not, Jake Allen and Greg Millen. Just as I remember Greg Millen from when I was a kid, and he was a pretty darn good goalie. But I had to yeah. go with Jake Allen. Jake Allen's my my honorable mention. I can see that. I I can see that. The the reason that I, as a Blues fan, now look, I love Jake Allen, but I don't want Blues fans to shoot me in the head because Blues fans (laughs) did not like Jake Allen. Right? That was a split down to, you were either on Jake Allen's side or you weren't. Yeah. yeah. Plain and simple. No in between. So, so. For me, I had to, I had to, you know, put in my my fan hat on a little bit and go, okay, you know, if I say this, what are my fans going to think? You know, what are, what are right. the, I'm trying to gain fans, not get shot in the head. So <laughs> I had to be a little, I, I had to be a little weak on Jake Allen. There. That's okay. Well, listen, I can get away with that because I'm an outsider, so it's all good. <laughs> all right, so guy, honorable mention, give me two defensemen. Oh, now see, this is a tough one because I didn't set my honorable mention completely up yet, right? Uh, I, I I was kind of just looking differently. One of my honorable defense honorable mentions uh, comes comes a little different, and, and, and the reason I say this, and I want to make sure I pull this up the right way. Give me just a second. Yeah, uh, one of my honorable mentions isn't for what he did on the ice, but what he's done for the organization. Okay, and that's Bruce Affleck. Bruce All Affleck right. is my was my number nine blue, and it's not okay. He played. He played with the organization from seventy four to seventy nine, mm-hmm. two hundred and seventy four games, uh, seventy nine points. But it's not. That's not what's important. He's been in the organization, and he he he, he was a broadcaster. He was a general manager. Uh, he was a director of um, ticket sales. He, he, right now, he's the president of the alumni association. There's only one person that's ever bled blue more than Bruce Affleck. And that's why I will sit there and make Bruce Affleck one of my honorable mentions. Again, I said it's not always about what they did on the ice. Right. It's what they mean to the organization. And when you mention him, he means a lot to the organization. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about uh, how about a second one? Uh, my second one, this is a current one. And I, I wanted to mix up the past with the present. Sure. Absolutely. Right? Oh, well, semi-current. Uh, my second one's Jay Bullmeister. Oh, interesting right? choice. Interesting. Jay Bullmeister played for the Blues from 2012 to 2020, 480 games, 172 points, but he brought a quality to the Blues that they needed at the right time. 
He was hurt in the 17 and 18 season, but in the 16 in 15 16, when the Blues went to the, the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 15 years, he brought that that leadership, that knowledge. You could see that he what he was trying to do, and you can see how that bled into the team going into 19. And when he was healthy, this team changed. He was. I, everyone gives Bennington all the credit in the world. I don't. Because I think Bowmeister had a lot to do with that change as his health got better. There you go. That's you know what that's really interesting because you know he's one guy that kind of flies under the radar. He really is. That he he's always been one of those guys who just never got enough credit for everything he was able to bring. So that's that's really interesting. I'll give you mine. Uh, you already mentioned him once, uh, Bobby Plager, for on my defense, and I've also got Rob Ramage. Just because again, oh. I remember him as a kid. Um, he was a decent player, of course, and I'm no blues expert, but like I said, Rob Ramage, to me, he had a solid career, and uh, he's not going to be on an all-time list, of course. Yeah, first or second, no, but. not a bad pick at all. In fact, Rob Ramage is currently the coach of the Blues Warriors. There you go. See? Yeah, and I've tried to, I've tried to get him on the show, but he will. He straight up looked at me, and I, I almost had a tear in my eye when he said this. He looked at me and says, I don't do media, damn it. No. Okay then. Yeah, he called me media. Hey. He called me media. He called me legitimate media. I almost had a tear in my eye. He, you made he, it. He didn't He didn't use the word legitimate. He just said media. Yeah, well, There's a difference. That's okay. <laughs> take what you can I'll get, right? It. I'll take it. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, I'll boy. That's awesome. All right, moving right along, our honorable mention left wing for the St. Louis Blues. Now, see, this was this was a tough one for me. The the Blues, when it comes to left wingers, we just don't have this high quality of left wingers. And and and, and I I've looked. I, I was looking at, at different things, and really, you know, I, I got to go, and, and I struggled to find two left wingers. I really did to find two solid left wingers on this team. And I think for me to go with uh, uh, honorable mention, I, I have two. I'm going to go with first Brendan Shanahan, right? 91 to 95, um, five, uh, 306 points, but he left under bad circumstances. Yeah. My other one is, is going to be off the charts a little bit is Lubis Barteco. Ooh. Now, Lubis didn't have a great, you know, what, you know, he's not one of those, but he was there with Demetra and he helped create that Slovak line that was so effective and that really did usher in an era of. He was there when they were losing that grip and he helped maintain that grip a bit. So, so Barteco kind of slips in there for me. And I, I know I'm probably breaking your rules a little bit. No, it's all good. Having two of them, but that's all for, right for me. For me, Barteco just kind of breaks that that mold a little bit. Very good, very good. I like it. I like when we think outside the box around here. I love it. So for my left wing, I actually went old school on this one, and I went with Red Berenson. With who? Red Berenson. Oh, I thought Red played more center than left. Well, they got him listed, and, and again, I'm not I'm not a Blues expert. But uh, they yeah. have him listed as a left wing. So, and let I, me, I let me let me double check because I was pretty sure that he played more center than than left wing. I mean, I had to leave a center off that that off this list that really kind of drove me nuts. 
Uh, but you could include him if you want. Yeah, I have I have him listed I have him listed as a center, but okay. no, I could see Burns and I. But again, centers could play either. either right, or, and that's so, yeah, no, such a great I'm area. Okay so, all right. Well, speaking of centers, who's your center? Say again. Who's your honorable mention center? Um, you know, I oh, I, I was jumping with this, and 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 I actually just changed my mind. My honorable mention center has got to be you know the guy that signed my cast and asked me if I wanted my cast signed, uh, Gary Unger. Okay, very interesting. That's that's right. a that's Unger, a real good choice. Well, Unger 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 is one of those unsung heroes that A should be in the Hall of Fame and isn't. Right. And and, and also with, with Unger there's there's some of this this feeling of um oh I don't know what the, what the word is. He left the blues in a not with, with not there there were some legal ramifications of why he left the blues. But what he's done for the team, for the NHL afterwards, and, and who he was, you know, the blonde hair and that. Right. Um, last year, I did a, and this is why Unger comes on my list, right? And it's not just the numbers. I did a a live at a um, rally house in St. Louis, a new, a new open rally house. Unger and Mike Zook joined me. Very good. Both of them are good friends of mine now. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy that hears about it, comes out, sees that Unger's there. And before we, just before we go online, he asked, well, are these guys going to sign autographs? And, and, and Unger says, oh, yeah, certainly. All right. So we're doing the show. The guy leaves, comes home, brings his 86-year-old World War II veteran father to meet Unger. And, and Unger is like in awe of this guy being a vet. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. me being a vet also, I, I, I sure. have that feeling, you know. And it, the guy was from the Navy, was a Navy vet also. And, and they're talking, and now this guy has this bank, you know, that you know, one of those promotional things. Unger signs it, and he's talking to the guy. The guy's got tears in his eyes. An 86-year-old man has tears in his eyes eating Gary Unger. That's awesome. That says everything to me. That is awesome. That really is. Great choice. Great choice. I actually went with Pavel Dimitra. Um. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Look again. I'm not a blues expert, so bear with me, right? No, no, no. Because because I'm I'm going to break rules here. So okay, we'll kind of we'll kind of go with that. Okay. The, the Demetra Demetra. Look, I, I'll tell a quick story with this before we get there. I I've been in Hawaii for a while, and when I when I got to Hawaii in '04, you could not be connected to the NHL at all. There right. there was the internet wasn't that strong yet. There there was no no. Uh, VIOP, you know, all of that stuff really wasn't set in yet. So you couldn't watch the games or any of that. And you don't get hockey here. Um, the ESPN, you know, at the time it was, the games would come on two in the afternoon. I'm at work, things like that. And then the Blues, this was when the Blues, and that was the, the strike season. Right. So in 05, the Blues are going down. But I remember Demetri. I remember following Demetri when I was in Japan. And when he, he passed in that plane wreck, I was working second shift. And I went into work at 2.30 that afternoon, and, and people could just sell something wasn't right with right. me. And I, and I told them, I, I can't explain it to you. Nobody here is going to understand it. And I finally had someone, you know, one of my bosses came in and said, what's going on? And I, when I explained it to him, he just kind of looked at me and says, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. He says, you know, if you can't stick around tonight, that's fine. But, you know, please try and stick around. But I understand. I understand that. Yeah. You know, well, here's a guy I'd never met. Sure. But, but the sudden death of him really just stuck a dagger in my heart. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And honestly, I, th- I thought you were going to be upset with me because I didn't put him higher on the list. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to put him Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, how about uh, give me your right wing. Um, right wing, again, see, Blues have had some really, really good right wings. And, and you know, I, 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 jumped, I jumped around on this, and I'm still, like, moving around. There's still different right wingers that pop into my head. Um, I could probably name a bunch of them. Um, give me, give me just a quick second to, uh, look at this. There was one that kind of jumped into my head and, and now I can't remember, uh, who it was. Uh, oh, Frank St. Marcelli. Wow. Right? Play now he, now he played for the blues from the beginning, 67 yep. to 73, uh, 257 points. And this is in a period when goal scoring wasn't as high as it was. Or, and, and this is a guy that also went to the Stanley Cup finals three times. W- w- was part of that, that, that beginning that really helped make the blues. And it's a name that's not going to pop on everybody's list, but I'm looking for the guys, not just what they did on the ice, but what they did off the ice and off the ice. He's one of those guys that helped ingrain what it meant to wear the blue note to future generations. Excellent. Very good. Yeah, that's you're you're right. And that's you know what? That's you know, it, it's a shame too that that guys like that sometimes they get forgotten. Yeah. As, as time goes on and generations come and go and it's 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 a shame, but you know what? You remembered it and that's that's the the important thing right there. Yeah. Um I went with David Backus. I know he was both the center and a right wing. So again, it's kind of hard to differentiate sometimes, but uh just for what David Backus did for the organization alone. Is. Yeah, no, he did. He, you know, he was the captain for a while, and I, and I get that. And, and like I said, I was trying to take this list that went both ways. I wanted a list that, that touched the, the current generation and the previous generations. I, right. I wanted to make sure that I was looking at a list that, that everyone could look at and go, okay, that means something to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so our honorable mention team is done. We are moving on to the second team, the second all-star blue team, if you will. Uh, and again, I know I threw a curveball here at you, but give me a coach that's going to coach this team. Okay, well, for for coach of the second, uh, this one kind of bounces for me. Um, I'm going to, this is where I'm breaking the rules. I have two that, that kind of fit into this, right? Okay. Scott Bowman, Scotty Bowman, and Brian Sutter. Okay. Bowman coached Bowman coached the first three years, took this team to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then had a falling out and left and went and began, went on to be the greatness that he was elsewhere. But he cemented the Blues into St. Louis. They don't do that. They don't win those three Stanley Cups. I don't know if they're still here in 83. Right? Go to the finals, yeah, exactly. Not, not, not win them, but go right. to them. I'm sorry. Right. If, if they don't make those three Stanley Cup Finals, I don't know if they're here in 83. That helped establish what this team could be, and then you then you have Suter and, and Suter his coaching career. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it's just player, coach. I, I mean, his numbers in the rafters. He did it all, and he did it in a way he made his players better. There, there's a great story about Sutter, but I don't want to tell it yet. I want to tell okay. it a little bit later. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, he won the Jack Adams Award, too. Yes, he did win a Jack Adams. I think yes. it was 81-82, I want to say. Or no, no, it was a little bit later than that, I'm sorry. A little bit anyway, later than yeah, that, I want to say. Right. It, uh, it was, was still 89. Playing yes, thank I you. He was, was still playing, right. All right, I went with Ken Hitchcock. Or, yeah, Ken Hitchcock. It says he. I can't um, talk today. <laughs> I, I, 
can see that. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big Hitchcock guy. Okay. Right. I, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a big Hitchcock guy. I, I like what he did. I know he was there for a long time, but he had all these these issues in the playoffs, and then the way he left. Yeah. To me hurt more. I didn't like when Yo came in as a coaching waiting. I, I had talked about. I or you know I wasn't doing my show yet, but I tell, told friends this concerns me. This concerns me. This coaching waiting that never goes well. Right. You know, because you get in the middle of the season and a player start, who do I follow? Coach or the new coach? And and, and that's what happened in that season. So right. that's why that's why Hitchcock has a little bit of a okay. stigma for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, you would know much better than I would. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to look at the numbers and go by what I remember. And like I said, you, yeah. you, you've lived right through it. So, all right, give me the goalie of your second all-star blue team. Numbers don't mean nothing. It's all about the W. Grant Fuhr. That's a great choice. Grant Fuhr. I had him on my show. Really? And, and he brings up, yes, I, I, he was the first, but, well, he wasn't the first player. He was the first major player, and he's the only All-Famer I've ever interviewed. But I had him on my show, and, and I asked him about, you know, and he said, I got cold. Gretzky told me this. I don't care how many stops you make, just make the one that counts. And that's what he believed. Makes and, sense. And, and, and Grant Fuhr didn't have the greatest life growing up, right? He, right. he had a troubled childhood. You got, you did. But he rose above that. He always rose above it. Whatever you gave him, he rose above it. And, and he had a connection to Gretzky that still exists today. It was because of Gretzky that he was on the Blues. Uh, Gretzky being with the Blues really did help elevate his game more. Then then again, this is why Gretzky is on my, you know, honorable mention team. You know, know, when we had center, he's like my honorable mention center, too. You know, the one I forgot. But that's that's where it it connects to me because of what what it did during that period. Okay. That makes perfect sense, actually. And, and, And you know what? Find me a better series. Uh, find me, and I bet, and I know you'll have trouble. Find me a better series, and I think I got the year right—the 1996 second round of the playoffs against Detroit, of the Western Conference playoffs between St. Louis and Detroit. Find me a better series. I don't think you can. And it's, and it's too bad Fuhr wasn't in between the pipes for that game seven. Say again. It's too bad Fuhr wasn't between the pipes for that game seven. Oh, I know, but uh, I don't want to get still. you going again. I, I, I don't. I don't want to see your blood pressure go through the roof. So. <laughs> We've talked about this before, and it doesn't get pretty, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, I went with Curtis Joseph. Fair. Good, good, good pick. You know, it's not, not going to go go against that. It's, it's a good pick. Yeah, he could have been my honorable mention. He could have been my honorable mention. Right? And, and But I just, I, I think Liut, for me, Liut just has the better feeling... When you say Curtis Joseph, most people will go, "Oh, he was a Toronto Maple Leaf." Yeah, they, they yeah, they they, 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 they associate you're right. him. You're right, but more I think with he, the Maple Leafs. I think he played where, like seven where, seasons in St. Louis or something like that, didn't he? Uh, he, he was had, seven or eight. He, he was there he for a while. Six, yeah, he played for a while. I mean, I remember watching him. I loved watching him. Right, right. And honestly, right. I'm going to tell you something right now. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely! I, I think they, absolutely. They, they've got they got to get him in. I truly believe that. All right. So, yes. how about our honorable mention defenseman? Or, I mean, I'm sorry, our second our second team defenseman. Okay, second team defenseman. I'll go with this one first. 
Uh, Barclay Plager. Okay. Right? One of the originals with that team until the day he passed, um, you know, from cancer in 86. What what was definitely the guy. And, and he, along with, with my, my his D partner, um, and, and when we get there, uh, gave you what it was to they, – they understood very, very quickly what it meant to wear that note and how important it was. And, and the note – you, you ask most people, the note will come in as one of the top logos, top five logos in the league mm-hmm. because it's so clean, it's so classic, and when you see it, you know what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And who's your second one? Um, his brother, Bobby. There you go. There you go. Right. And, and, and look, I know Bobby didn't have the numbers. Bobby is my number one blue of all time. Oh, impact and alone. It has, it has nothing to do with what he did on the ice. Well, while he was on the ice, he was great. You, you go back. You look at the fight in Philadelphia. You look at uh, the stories that were told about him. When he was the coach of the Peoria Rivermen, he has a... a um, a practice, and I've had Tony Twist tell me about this, and I've others tell me about this. As a practice, um, he said no one could go out. Was, everyone was supposed to be in at a certain time, and about half the team went out that night. Got in really late, and I, I don't remember what happened in practice or whatever it was, but he goes at the beginning of the practice, he asked everybody that was out to this point, um, who, who step forward. So some step forward, and they make some do – Suicides, and he and he does this, and he goes, "Well, who was in in there in before curfew?" And most of the French Canadians were right. That, mm-hmm. That's just kind of how they were. So they kind of all raised their hands, and Bobby tucks it. Everybody else says, "You guys go home." Turns around, looks at the guys, and says, "You never leave your teammates. Now go practice." Wow! There you go. That's who Bobby was. There you go. I have this is. The jersey that they wore, that Mike Hoffman wore the night that they honored Plager after he passed. That is this, awesome. This is a, a practice worn, game worn, however you want to look at it, jersey. But they're, they're just you know that's what he meant. You know, I I I don't have this is the only one of those I have because they're so expensive. Sure. I, I I when when this were out for I was getting one. I didn't care. I had a budget and I was going to get one. I got lucky and because it was right around the trade time and Hoffman's name hadn't skyrocketed yet so i got hoffman's at a, at a good point i just wish he was still with the blues but that's what bobby meant to the blues and that's why bobby is one of my all-time blues in the d awesome very awesome well i'll give you mine so my second team blues defense uh and i know that he's not there anymore and I, i'm but to me it's alex petrangelo and i and i know like i said he left to go, left to go to vegas chase the money you know whatever it is what it is but he was the captain when they won the Stanley Cup. And, you know, for, for a while he was Mr. Blues, as, as far as, like, from an outsider point of view like mine is. Yeah, no, so, fair enough. And my second, and you're, you're probably going to laugh at this, but you got to remember I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, right? Okay. I grew up and fell in love with the game in the 80s, and I, could, I knew the game inside and out of just about every team. And I always liked this guy, Jeff Brown. Loved the huge shot from the point. The power play specialist that he was, right? I probably should have been I'm, in an honorable mention, but I'm like, ah, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to see what guy's reaction is. Jeff Brown was on my was on my alumni team. 
Really? When I broke my wrist, you know, I was the co- I was his coach. No so kidding. More or less. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm working on getting Jeff and uh, his his son Logan on the show. Awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. So no, that's not a, that's not a bad pick. And he was one of those that I had to to struggle over. Yeah. Not putting him on my list. You know, it was right? like I said. I was looking. I'm like, nah, man. I I got to like I said because he was just one of those blues I always remembered. So all right. So we got our defense down. How about a left wing? Oh, easy. Brian Suter. I had a feeling you were going to say Brian, that. <laughs> Brian Suter. And again, you know, just what what I talked about, you know, him being the coach and all of that stuff and what he was as a player, his name's in the rafters. Uh, he, he, he brought it every single night. He never took a shift off. He never no. took a night off. He never took a he, – he, 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 he didn't take a, a break when he was taking a break. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> right. When, 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 no, what I'm saying, when he's on the bench, he's still talking. He was still learning. He was still, he paid attention. And he, un, he was a student of the game more than, than, than anybody else that I can see in a long, long time. And, and I love what he brought. I don't like the way he left St. Louis, uh, you know, in a way they got rid of him, but he's still, um, he, he's as much to me. He's one of those guys that that cup was as much as, for them, sure. as it was for anybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I went with Keith Chuck, And I know how you feel about his son coming to your team, and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, no, uh, actually, that, <laughs> but that kinda, I may have changed my mind a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a, a possibility, that's for sure. Oh, um, yeah. But, but his father, Keith, I mean, I, and again, you know, during the 90s especially, the prototypical power forward, uh, you know, he spent nine seasons in St. Louis, and he put up, what is it, 208 goals, 219 assists. So he had a pretty darn good career while he was there. Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm like, no, you can't go wrong with this guy. Yeah. All right. So on to our center. Who is your second team all-time blues center? Okay, I have to slash this one. Okay. Um, and, and and because, and I know you know you're supposed to just the name, but the, the the two guys here on this list, I, I can't, I just can't say that one of them shouldn't be off the list. So uh, my first one is Federico. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Federico just made the Blues who they were. Right? And you know what? I just went, I didn't write the other name down. I just went blank. So if I remember it, I'll bring it. But Bernie was, Bernie's name's in the rafters. He's Mr. You know, he's the other Mr. Blue. He's still with the team, you know, all these years later. Right? He, he's still with the team. He, he did everything. Uh, oh, actually, I'm sorry. And the other one was Red Berenson. Okay. Right? All right. That, that's where Red was for me. You know, these are guys that, you know, Red came just before Bernie, but they, they passed the torch. Right. So right. to speak. So, so that's where Berenson, to me, as, you know, that importance. And, and just, again, the Blues have had some very, very, very good centers. Absolutely. If not great centers in, in their careers. Uh, in their history, and it makes it hard when you're doing these lists. But at, at this point, I think Berenson kind of slips in there, and that's why I kind of slash him because the way they pass the torch to each other. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. So this is where I went with Gary Unger. And I went with Unger over Demetra in this spot uh, just simply because Unger came along at a time when they were coming out of those where they were going to the Stanley Cup Finals right from the start of their existence, right? And where they really could really needed somebody to kind of be the face of the franchise to keep that going. And for me, anyways, like I said, from an outsider's point of view, 
it was Gary Unger that was the name that was at least offensively that was associated with the Blues. So it, it was a tough it was a tough to pick between him and, and Demetra between an honorable mention and a second team All Star. But that's the reason I went there. Know how hard it was for me to leave Demetra off the list? Yeah, I know, right? You know that that's that's what I'm t- trying to. get. I mean, it's just so hard. It is, and you know what? Too, it's so hard when you you're trying to compare players from different eras. It just never seems fair. But when when you come, I come back. Yeah, you're there. Yeah, you just froze up a little bit. Okay, I think I froze <laughs> for a second. Yeah, you're right. It, it is hard to compare errors. And again, I, I'm looking at what they mean to the team. Right. Right. And and, and someday the Blues are going to put Demetrius' number in the rafters, even if it's just honored. But it needs to be in the rafters. Right. Right. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right. So now we're getting into that uh, sweet spot for the St. Louis Blues, if you will. Give me the right wing. Of the I bet team. you can guess this one. I'm, I'm thinking I, I can. Bet you... I'm, I'm thinking that this is one of the easy ones right here. It's going to be what? I think this is going to be one of the easy ones right here. Parashinko, baby! Yeah. I had the same <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? I, I didn't... I, I live here in Hawaii. I didn't get to see games for a very, very long time. Right? Uh, first time... Last game... I, I saw a game in 2008 when Eric Johnson was still with them. The next time I see a game is 2014, Thanksgiving night, and it's the first time I got to see Tarasenko play, and my eyes lit up. I mean, I I, I was sitting two three rows off the ice on the you know blue side, but I'm watching what this guy does, and he scores the game, the overtime game winner, and, and I'm just thinking, I just saw Brett Hull on the ice. Oh my God, this is the coming of Brett. This. I'm sorry. Tarasenko doesn't get the credit for what he does. He's an amazing goal scorer. He's becoming a two-way player. He's learning how to do that part of his game, just like Brett Hall does. And all this crap about this trade stuff, I, I haven't I, – I just – I don't believe my, most of it. And, and I've talked about that with you on the you know, yep. offline and on my show. I, for me, Tarasenko just easily fits. Yeah, I don't understand what this all this, this trade talk really boils down to. I mean I, – I get it. People were nervous about the shoulder, and then there was that whole thing with the doc. But to me, listen, I think he's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the shoulder's fine. Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> I don't he, think he there's much that. question there. So. Well, I'm glad we agree on something. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like I said, my list isn't going to be your standard list. But, you know, this is why I had you on, though, because I don't want the, you know, the, the carbon copy, you know, encyclopedia answer, which I know you will not give. So... <laughs> So, here we are. We're at the creme de la creme, the first team, St. Louis Blues All-Star team. And we're going to start off with who is behind the bench for this team. Okay, I I have to put an asterisk on this. Okay? Asterisk is current situation notwithstanding. It's Coach Q. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And, and And I know some people want to take the Chicago situation and blanket him in that. And I get it. I get it. Yes. I have to look at what he meant to the organization when he was there. Right. And when he was there, he brought the greatest show on ice. Exactly. To the league. And, 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 and 
Just like the, the, the Rams had the greatest show on turf, yep. before that, we had the greatest show on ice. We had Hall and Oates. We had a coach that understood what those two could do together. Right. And we had a coach that could take a lineup and mix it and match it and turn it around and sprinkle pixie dust from, you know, Chris Berman from draft day and turn a lineup that should have been nothing to greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is what Quinville is to me. So I have to asterisk it. Yep. Current situation notwithstanding. Yes. I, I, I and I can agree with that because I mean, I totally understand why, why people would feel the way they would. Uh, what's what happened in Chicago was just absolutely horrible. And but if you look at the the body of work from St. Louis and the record and what he did, yeah, he was he definitely did the job while he was there. There's no doubt about it. Now, for me, if you're going to take Coach Q out of it, it would have been Scotty Bowman just because of the impact that he had on the organization to start to get them going. But yeah. all right, so now we're between the pipes. Who is the best St. Louis Blues goaltender of all time in your eyes, Mister Goalie? Glenn Hall. Glenn Hall. And, wow. and I'm sorry, I, I don't remember if this stat is completely right, but I think he was the first person ever to win the Conn Smythe on a losing team. I think you're right, actually. Okay. I think you're that right. That says something. That says something. Yeah, it does. That team, that team that lost to Montreal, the worst, the worst they could have been was 12-3. and three. Yeah. If, if they win that series, if they win that series – the worst they could have been is 12 and 3, and that was Glenn Hall. Glenn Hall just knew how to play goalie, even though he was at St. Louis at the end of his career. And I'm passing up Jock Plant <laughs> to not put Jock Plant on this list, but it's just what Glenn Hall did again. That original team, that 1966 67 team. Um, all the way up to, to 69-70, what they did as a whole, what they did to bring hockey to a region that really didn't have hockey. It just makes, it, 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 it is what it is, and, and you can't not bring that in because, you know, me, I, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember him playing, barely, but the name just brings reverence. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Right? Easy. Yeah, so, no, so the me, guy's a legend. There's no doubt about it. No me, doubt it's, about it's, it. It's Glenn Hall. Okay, that's fair enough. Now, again, I told you, I grew up in the 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. I love the 80s. I wish I could go back to the 80s. But <laughs> my all-time goalie has got to be Mike Liu. Just because I, when, I, I, when I think of goaltenders for the St. Louis Blues, I picture Mike Liu with that long, elongated mask. The number one, right? <laughs> and it seemed like he was every every year he was in St. Louis. He was on the All Star team. So for me, it's Mike Liu. And and I and I don't fault that. I really don't. That's uh, excuse me, wrong too. <laughs> I, I don't fault that at all. It's, that, it's not a bad pick. It just again, I, I had to look at different things. Sure. And, and for, oh, absolutely. When you. When you think about the second six, right, or second five now, you have to look at how those teams got ingrained where they did. And when you look at and you look at the fact that the Oakland Golden Seals never got that. Right. Well, one of the reasons Oakland never got that wasn't the fact that they were in Oakland, it's that they never had the guys. Right. Exactly. To bring that that connection 
to the people. And, and to me, that connection of Bobby, of Barclay, of St. Saint, Fr- Saint, uh, uh of um, Glenn Hall, Jack Plant, all of that, um, you know, brings, Red Berenson brings that connection to what everyone else has learned afterwards. Sure. Right? So so that's why I, I had to go with Mr. Goalie. Not a bad pick at all either, my friend. All right, so I think we're going to agree on this. The top two defensemen in St. Louis Blues history are... McGinnis and Pronger. Yep, that was exactly what I had. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think it's, it's... There's no question about that either. Banners in the, banners in the rafters, yeah. plaques I mean, in the hall. Well, I mean, say no more. <laughs> That's kind of, <laughs> right? Uh, plaques in the hall. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's... That's that's what it is, right? Um, it, you just go with that, and and, and um, I don't know what else to say. They they brought. I mean, Pronger's a Hart Trophy recipient. Yep. Right, and he won the Selkie. Uh, you have McInnes, the hardest shot in the league. Uh, you know, he would wind up, and, and it was like the the scene from um, uh, the Mighty Ducks. You know. <laughs> Everybody scatters. Parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> yeah. If he t- if he was taken a one time, it was a parting of the Red. Sea. Nobody wanted in on that. No, no, not at all. Right? And could you and, imagine and, what he would so, do with modern sticks today? Say again. Could oh you imagine God. what he would have done with the modern sticks that like Ovechkin's using today? He could have potentially killed somebody with those. His sticks didn't just break; they shattered. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen a game stop? Because a guy's stick blew up so bad that they had to clean the ice. It's true. It's true. That happened with McGinnis more than once. His sticks didn't break. They exploded. Jeez. You know, I'll tell you, Dave, I I was reading a a story the other day, as a matter of fact, speaking of McGinnis, and that that brutally hard slap shot that he had. So it was in practice, and I forgot what the goalie's name was. But he took a slap shot, and the goalie got hit in the, you know, bad area, right? Yeah. And it shattered his cup. <gasps> shattered it. And he had to actually go in for emergency surgery. Holy crap. Yeah, it's um, true. Oh, I, oh. I think that was Brent Johnson. Was it? I couldn't remember what the goalie's name was. I, 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 I heard think about think it. Was, Could you imagine that, though? No. No, I don't want to imagine that. I think that. I got to go look. I, I got to look it up. I think. I, I want to say that that was Brent Johnson. I think after that, I'd have been going, you know what? I retired. That's <laughs> uh, it. I'm done. I'm going to go find another job. This, yeah, yeah. this isn't worth it. No. It, it's been great being in the NHL, but. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> true story. Absolutely oh, yeah, true story. No, the, 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 guy, the guy just. He commanded the ice. Oh yeah, no doubt about he it. He commanded no the ice. No doubt. He command. He doesn't get the credit for being a defenseman. That he you're was. right. You're absolutely right. right because when, when, when people talk about best defenseman of all time, everyone goes with Orr. You know what? McGinnis is right behind him. I would agree right with that. Behind him, I would agree. And, and, and if not on the same level. Because you know what people forget is that McKinnis could have a mean streak when he wanted to as well. If he had, mm, if yeah. he had to get nasty and dirty, he could. Or not dirty, like oh, in yeah. the dirty areas. I'm not saying playing dirty, but in the dirty areas. Yeah. You know, in the front of the net. He'd clear people out. There was no doubt about it, right? He aimed at people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would aim. No, he, he said this. I would aim at the guy standing in front of the net. 
That way, the next time I took a shot, he wouldn't be in front of the net. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right. So moving on, the best center in St. Louis Blues history. Oh, you're skipping left wing? Oh, I did, didn't I? I'm sorry. Left wing. Give me my left wing. Okay. Now, this is where I, I, I faked out earlier. I have Pavel Dimitra as my left wing. Okay. And it, you're I, right, because um, it's difficult because guys do jump from position to position. Yeah, he, he did play a little bit of center, but he played he played center, he played left wing. He's listed more as a left wing than a center. Okay. And just like I said, there was a, for me, even though I never got to watch him play, there was a personal connection for me, and it was in an interview he did, right? It was after one of his um, RFA contracts, and he went to arbitration, and he talked about it afterwards, how hurt he was about some of the things that the Blues management said about him. Right. You know, they brought up playoffs, failures and things like that. And he just said that 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 I want I didn't want them to think of me that way. I want them to think that I gave my all and that then when they didn't, it, it hurt me. Mm. That right there tells me everything I need to know. And that puts them in my top of my list. If Absolutely. you want to argue with me, fine. That's great. But just right there, that says everything. And that's what the note means to me. No, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Now, I went with Brian Sutter in this spot because, to me, he's just always been one of those guys that epitomizes the St. Louis Blues. And, like I said, it was in my era growing up, and it was just, you know, you think Brian Sutter, you think St. Louis Blues. It's, to me, any. But, but no, Demetrius is a great spot. for That's a great choice for that spot, too. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on to the best center. In St. Louis, Blues okay. History. This is where I. This is where I had I, when we originally talked about this. We had we had this this five year rule, and, and I was like, I don't care. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break that rule because <laughs> this guy only played for three years, but he did more in those three years than most players did in ten <laughs> in their cities. And it's Adam Oates. I was just gonna say, are you cueing the band up? <laughs> right? It's it's Adam Oates. He did more. He did more in the three years he was in St. Louis than than most guys would have done did in their entire careers with teams. What he did there, the the, the style of play, he 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 re-triggered the game. He he reimagined the game and, and then compared with my right winger. They just took it to a level that hadn't been seen in the league. And I'm talking, even Gretzky and, and his buddies couldn't match this in my eyes. And, and I'll, I'll say this right now, and I honestly believe this. If he does not leave St. Louis, Ovechkin is chasing Hull's numbers and not Gretzky's. That's interesting. That's interesting. Very interesting. I, I'm going to tell you something. I was actually shocked that he only played three seasons in St. Louis. Because well, it seems like you know he played the, Do you know the reason behind that? Do you know the reason no. behind that? Okay, so um, Brett Hull wrote a book called, Blue, uh, you know, Hull Shooting and Smiling, and then there was another book of that season called Blues Fire. Uh, Adam Oates was uh, referred to by Brett Hull as JBE, Junior Business Executive. Right. And and he was he went he studied on the road. He went to school. He really wanted to be, you know, a a business person. Mm -hmm. And he kept looking at the contracts that were coming out and he would see guys that were doing less than him getting paid more than him. And he kept renegotiating his contract and renegotiating his contract, trying to get better numbers. But, you know, but the management at the time would bring a guy in and pay him more. 
So at, at, at one point, it just got to the point where the Blues said, no, we're done. We're not going to negotiate right. anymore. And it created this riff. Both sides were right. Both sides were right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Blues were right in not negotiating anymore. But Oates was right in saying that some of these guys you're bringing in, you shouldn't be paying more than me. They're not doing what I'm doing. They're not having 100-point seasons. They're never going to have a 100-point season. They're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. I am. Right? And th- those are the things that, that hurt him. He stays in St. Louis. We, Hull, Hull, Hull hits 1,000 goals. Wow. Right? Hull hits 1,000. Think about this. In the three yeah. season, Hull had um, 72, 86, and 70. And then he leaves and his numbers drops into the 50s. Right. Right? Imagine if he stays. He's in. He stays in the 70s. He stays in the 80s. Potentially. Right? Or he breaks or He breaks the 92 record. I think that could have happened. Absolutely. I think that he would have been, he would have been over 900 goals. I really do. That's, if, that's if certainly he would had, If he would have had uh, three to five more years with Oates, no telling what numbers those two could have put up. I certainly think that it had that happen. He certainly could have broke the single season record for sure, and he yeah. probably had they. You're right. I think had they stayed together, we could very well be talking about Brett Hall being the all time you know goal scoring leader for sure. Um, but again, like I said, I just I, it blew my mind that that Oates was only there three seasons. It just it felt like he was there for seven or eight. Yeah, it, it but, did, and that's what that's why I had to say. You know what? Yeah, I, I'm equating no, this three good. to your five. It's all good. It's all good. It's, just think of it as dog years, right? <laughs> oh, it's an illegal <laughs> stick. So yeah, I'm there you are, right? Illegal stick. <laughs> yeah. we're we're doing our measurements in dog years. It's all good. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> this is my illegal stick. This is my illegal <laughs> stick. Play. Yeah, there you go. You go to the box for two, pal. <laughs> I had seven of them so far. So, <laughs> uh, my center is of course Bernie Federko. And I always actually felt bad for Bernie, and I'll tell you why. Because he put up phenomenal numbers as a St. Louis Blue. He had almost 1,100 points. You wouldn't know it, though, because he over he got overshadowed a lot in the 80s, right? If, I mean, if you think about, you know, the, just the ridiculous pinball machine numbers that were being put up, you know, Federico was always just that consistent leader of the Blues, always let him in points, but nobody really knew about him outside of, you know, you know, reporters and, and people who really knew the game. And not only that, he challenged Lanny McDonald for the best mustache in hockey. So <laughs> that that alone right there. <laughs> I, I forget who it was I had on my show. Um I, I wanna say it was uh I wanna say it was Garth Butcher, but the the thing that he told me about Federco was um you look at Federco and you would watch the game and say, where was Federco all night? But then you turn around, you look at the scoreboard, and he had four assists. Exactly. Exactly. Right? He, he was sneaky. He was quiet, but he was efficient. He did his job every single night. And, and I get that. My issue, the reason that I put him as my second center was I couldn't break up my, my center and right wing, my number one center and my number one right wing. I just couldn't do it. All good. All good. Like I said, with those forwards <laughs> especially, it's really tough because sometimes, you know, they yeah. – they played and it was by season by season too, so yeah. all good. And I don't even think we need to uh, say the right wing here because I, I there's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that it's Brett Hall. And, and, and yeah, and, I mean, and that's why I have Oates because yeah. Hall and Oates they were they were the guys. 
and they – you talk about Gretzky changing hockey, and he did, right? Um, for me, I equate what Hull and Oates did to what um, – and, and I just kind of – Bob Gibson did in, in, in the Cardinals. Their music was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been waiting all day to do that, haven't you? <laughs> I heard it earlier. I was like, yeah, I got to use this. <laughs> Here you go. This, this is for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got a roadcaster over there. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Ever doing sounds now. What what they did, what those two did in St. Louis for hockey, I equate to what Bob Gibson did for baseball. Baseball changed the rules for Bob Gibson. That's right. That's right. Hockey changed the rules for Hall and Oates. They right? did. They they took away some of this, you know, the 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 hooking foul. The, the you know, they they started calling the hooking. They they saw what those two could be, right? And, and you know, I wish he would have stayed. I wish um, Oates would have stayed. Uh, you know, I know at at some point, Hole's mouth finally wrote a check he couldn't cash. Right, and that's what it was. He finally wrote a check that he couldn't cash, and that's why he left. But it was the best thing for him. Right. Two cups later. Two cups later. Um, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. There was no doubt about that. Uh, he did things that just on the ice and off the ice. That there, there's a couple of stories out there, and and a couple of them from Detroit couple of them from Dallas. I know there's stories from – there's one going around the internet right now that I really love. Uh, when Mike Keenan was there, Keenan tells Hull to go serve a penalty, and Hull's yelling at him that I don't serve penalties. You know, every, every – go serve the penalty, go serve the penalty. Hull slowly skates over, takes a sweet-ass time, skates over, is in the box. The penalty ends. He waits in the box for a few seconds. Puck comes to him. He's got – it's him and the goalie. And he skates just lazily over to the bench, climbs in, and says, I told you I don't serve penalties. (laughs) (laughs) Man. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's Hull in a nutshell. Exactly. Right? And my other other story about him comes from Detroit. Uh, He's on the line with uh, Pavel um, Datsuk. It's his job to teach Datsuk, right? He's supposed to teach Datsuk. He's a mentor. And Datsuk doesn't pass him a puck. They go back to the bench, and Hall is just blowing him up. Pass me the damn puck. You need to pass me the puck. Demetri- or Datsuk looks at him and says, you were covered. Hall's response, I've scored 400 goals. I've scored 400 goals covered. Pass me the damn puck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just what he was and who he is. And, and you know what? Dallas... You got him for a couple of years, and he scored the most controversial goal in the NHL, <laughs> in hockey which history. shouldn't yeah, exactly. in hockey history, which actually shouldn't have any controversy on it at all because the NHL is the one that changed the damn rules for the playoffs. <laughs> I know, right, right. <laughs> um, 
But that none of that matters. None of none of that matters. The only thing that matters was that he was a blue and he did the things he did as a blue. You ask anybody, they'll they'll barely remember him on Dallas. Barely right. remember him on Detroit. Yep. It's what he did in St. Louis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Barely remember him in Calgary. Or yeah. Vancouver, pardon me, Vancouver. No, it was Calgary. Because he came over oh, with, the, with yeah, the, Calgary, the Gilmer yeah. trade, yeah. Right? Yeah, Calgary. Um, you know, most people don't even realize that he went to uh, um, Arizona for a short period. Yeah, you're always, he's always going to be remembered as a St. Louis Blue. There's no yeah, if, and, or, or buts about it. Yeah, and, and, and when, you, when you think about that, it, it just takes the, the, the game to a new level, right? He saved hockey, and they say it, he saved hockey in St. Louis. Yeah, and that's 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 why you know, and it's like Demetra takes that torch and carries it on. That's why Demetra's my left wing. You know, Hull passes that torch. Uh, McGinnis, Pronger, take that torch. So, so there's that connection, and that's what my list is. It's the torch being passed. Sure, and it, you know what? That's a beautiful thing. It really is. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you what, we have got our, our team put together now. The all-time St. Louis Blues team. And, this, guy, this has been so much fun. I love doing these kind of lists. This is great. Hopefully hopefully, I wasn't too out, out, out in no, outer no. space. Hey, listen, you. the farther you go in outer space, the more we like it. So it's all good. <laughs> so what we're going to do, because now you've got me intrigued that you've been changing your mind a little bit on the whole Matt to Chuck thing, and I want to hear about yeah. it. But we're going to need to take a quick commercial break. But before we do that, we got a little segment that I want to carry on in our new rebranding of this show called Breakaway Trivia, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a trivia question, and I'm going to give you time to think about it during the commercial break, and then we'll answer it when we come back, all right? Sounds great. All right, so here's the question. What was the first NHL team to play in St. Louis? And bonus points if you can tell me when. The answer, when we come back. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, the Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned business the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes Store, listen to our country music streaming radio station, or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Stop by today at MyFunFalls.com. You'll be glad you did. And we're back. Guy, do you like that, that music? Because like I said, that music that he's got for that commercial makes me want to run right through a brick wall. Every single time I hear it. He did such a good job <laughs> with that commercial. Really. <laughs> well, um, so, I thought you were going to give me a hard trivia question. Well, hey, listen. Oh. I, I, I try not Listen, my dad used to be on the show all the time. And we used to have a, a blast with it because we used to stump and he used to get so mad. It was awesome. <laughs> but he plays Shuffle Ward um, on Wednesday nights now and he, he, he can't join the show. <laughs> Okay, well, the first NHL team to play in St. Louis was the original Ottawa Senators, who moved to St. Louis in, I want to say, 1923 and played in the 23-24 season, changed their name to the St. Louis Eagles, 
played in a uh, played at the arena. It was its second or third year that the arena had been there. It was called the St. Louis Exhibition Center at that point. Uh, unfortunately, didn't have any. You know, it just never kicked on, and they folded after one year. You're right about everything except the year. It was thirty four. Thirty four. But that's I knew okay. It was somewhere in there. But that's okay. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah, it was only one season. Um, apparently, they were having problems with attendance, and I guess well at the time, uh, plane travel, of course, wasn't prevalent. Yeah, and that was, was the other issue. Travel. travel became an issue because, you know, even though they had teams in Chicago and Detroit, it, whatever, it, it was what it was. Yeah. But anyways, I was on your show a couple nights ago, and, mm-hmm. of course, the, the rumor mill is flying around now about Matthew Tuchuk leaving the Calgary Flames. He's gone, let's face it. And so... Yeah, he... Yeah, he's not going to play. He won't. He won't no, play Calgary. No, if he, if he plays there one year, it'll be a miracle if they find if they figure out a way to keep him there for one year to trade him after that. But anyways, that notwithstanding, the all kinds of teams are lining up for his services, and of course, the Blues seem to be the front runners or at least the the favorites because of the connection with his father, Keith Chuck. And the other night, you weren't too happy about it, but you're now you're telling me you've changed your mind a little bit. Tell me why. Okay, so last night I had a guy on uh, from Locked On Blues podcast, and he, he kind of he he did he said some things that that started to to shift me a little bit. One of the things that was brought up was that Matt Kachuk's defense is better than any defenseman we could get on the Blues right now for the money, right? And, and okay, that that makes some sense. My my whole thing with Matt Kachuk, it's not that I don't want Matt Kachuk on my team. It's its the addition by subtraction, you know, the subtraction by addition. Right. Right. But what you bring in, you take more away to bring in. And look, I am not comparing Garth Butcher to Matt Kachuk. I'm comparing the style of the trade. The Blues traded away their entire second scoring line to get Garth Butcher. Well, okay. We had no scoring in the second round of the playoff because we didn't have a second scoring line. And Butcher didn't bring a second scoring line. And I love Garth. I had him on my show. Great guy. Lockdown but deep. It just, it just didn't bring what the team, it was, you know, addition, right. but you took away too much. My concern is that you're going to take away too much. But if you, now that the, the, the tide has turned a little bit, there is no way Calgary can get what they're asking for. I don't think so. I, unless right, there are a couple of teams that are really hot and heavy and they just start up in the ante, and I think that's what they're hoping for. But it's like we know, talked and, the other night, though. They're, he wants big, big money. It's going to be at least $9 because that's what his qualifying offer is. And obviously well, yeah, he's probably going to want more. So who the heck can fit I think, that in? I think he could sign. I, think, I really do think that in St. Louis he could sign an eight-year deal Right around the same eight mil that they're given, the eight point two five or whatever it is that they're given, uh, Thomas. You think that right? well? Uh, I, I well, Thomas got. I think Thomas got six years. Right. I don't, I don't know if he got eight. I don't know if he got the full eight, but um, maybe a little bit more, but not much more. Because because be honest with you, the I don't think Armstrong's going to pay it. It, yeah. It's what you're gonna. It's it's what it is for me. Is it's what you're gonna lose if you can get away with losing one of your six point five million dollar defensemen and maybe Cairo and a pick. I'm okay with that. Okay. 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 I'm not okay 
trading Tarashenko to cover that. Right. Because you got to move somebody right? out to make the, the cap room work, right? Yeah. If, if you're going to make the cap room work and, and it's not, and, and again, you have guys that you can bring. If, you, if There are guys in the system that I think could equal Kairou's production, maybe in the aggregate, you know, with a couple different guys covering up. Like me, I'm not upset Perron left. I think the Letty trade does help solidify the defense better than most Blues fans do. Mm -hmm. And I saw it. When Letty came to St. Louis, I was not a fan of that move. I thought, I I seriously thought the penalty kill was going to get worse. And we had a decent penalty kill, got better. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How did it get better? You lost Sunquist, one of the best penalty killers in the league. You lost him. Well, other guys got a chance to prove what they could do on the penalty kill. Bushnevich stepped his game up. Brown stepped his game up. There are guys that stepped their game up when given an opportunity. Well, I think that well, Ruby has learned something about taking younger guys and, 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 and letting them make mistakes and, and, and letting them get better, learning from their mistakes and not punishing them every time they make one. And, and if that's going to happen... I'm okay with this, but again, it's what you have to give up. I don't want to buy the farm. I don't want to give up the future. Yeah, to, and that's... To, to get for this, you know what? And, and Calgary right now doesn't have any leverage; has none. Yeah, and only, that's what's important here. The only they way they get no leverage, leverage if it turns into a bidding war. That's the only way they're going to get any kind of leverage at all. Uh, they, well, they have none. Because well, even if it goes to arbitration, he still doesn't have to sign that contract. Oh, no. What I'm saying is for his rights. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So, I mean, yeah. boy, I it's, it's like I told you the other night, though. If I was mad to Chuck, I would be looking at, like, a shorter-term deal and then go for the big money at, like, 28 or 29. Yeah, I, I because agree. Because it's like we were talking to you. That cap is going to go up significantly in a few years. Yeah, so what we're I, I we're really going, think it is. you know, what we're fretting about nine nine and a half million now, in three years that could be you know your your standard middle six pay, right? Yeah, that could be twelve million. That yeah, could be you know his exactly. contract could be twelve twelve or thirteen. Right. I, I absolutely agree with that. The cap is going to get closer to a hundred million. Right. Exactly. Right? And, and you know the the thing here is, if you are, and and here's the thing for me, if I'm Matt Kachuk. One of the things that I have to look at is the fact that I just finished a $65 million contract. I know. I know, right? <laughs> right? I get you got to make your money where you can. Right. Matt Kachuk, Matt Kachuk is always going to make his money in hockey. Yeah, he's, he's going to make money hurting. in hockey. He's going to make money in hockey. He's going to be a, a coach. He's going to be a, a, a player director. He's going to have something to do. In the league after he's done, right? Okay. It's not like he's got to make it all now and just sit, sit. You know, then I got to struggle. You know, go work at a nine to five job because I don't have any money. Right. 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 He's always going to have that money. Um, he's got good work ethic. Uh, he just needs to tone down some of the antics. And if you do that, you can take you can take your game all the way to the Hall of Fame. He's got sure. Hall of Fame credentials. His brother has Hall of Fame credentials. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know what? He's like a modern-day Claude Lemieux. Right, yeah. So I always you know, thought of he's, he's had NHL coaches from the time he picked up a stick. Sure, 
Absolutely. He's had NHL level coaches. He's had McGinnis as a coach. He's had he's had Pronger as a coach. He's had his dad as a coach, you know, and and, and so many others. So he's got this understanding of the game uh, that you know, great. But again, it's it's all about what you have to give up. And if the price drops, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, you you if you got a chance to get a talent like that. If so long as it's not going to completely destroy your future, you got to go for it. But let me ask you this: If he doesn't end up in St. Louis, where do you think he's going to go? That's I, and I think that's the million dollar question. Yeah. You know the the nine million dollar question. <laughs> and, and and the reason that the reason being is it it's straight up maybe a team that knows that he's a rental thinks that they can get him and and bring him in and say you know. I know you said you don't want to play here, but maybe we can make it good for you that you do want to play here. Yeah. That we can offer you that, 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 that we can bring you in with guys, with friends and things like that. Uh, maybe a team that's got, you know, a, a strong USA player base. I'll tell right? you, who, you know what? I saw this earlier today, and it makes all the sense in the world. A team to watch out for, Dave's Buffalo Sabres. They got the cash base I, to make it work. They got yeah, prospects they, to send. My issue there is their ownership. My issue there is their ownership. I, I know, but you know what? It's like we were talking the other night. There's, I think their ownership is starting to learn to kind of, okay, we're going to just kind of butt out of this and let our hockey people handle it. And if that's the case, that could be a strong fit there too. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see, number one, what Calgary actually gets in return. And two, who can make it work. That's... Of course, I mean, and if you if you follow Twitter a lot, I mean, it, it's already signed, sealed, and delivered. Someday he's going to New Jersey, which I don't necessarily think they need him. In insofar as uh, they got no, a, I, they got I, a young I, enough core up front. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Who wouldn't want Matt? I mean, th- don't get me wrong there. But they're yeah. not a team that. Let's put it this way: they don't need him to get over the top. No, because they're not there yet. Yeah, neither no, is Buffalo, um, but. Buffalo can be a, a much more of like a, a Buffalo needs him to take the next step. Yeah, absolutely. That's right? absolutely exactly. And that's the pro- the thing with Brady is does he want to take the what is his what in his eyes is the next step? And that's the question here, right? Because in his eyes, if the next step is the cup, right? There's only one team that's really out there that's going to give him that opportunity. Yeah. And of all the teams that have been mentioned, I think that's St. Louis, right? But if he's willing to build a team, then, yeah, Buffalo comes in. Ottawa comes in. But Ottawa, would, I don't think Brady and – I don't think those two would play well together. It'd be it'd be interesting. It'd be a reality show. I've seen them practice together well, and I know they hang out and all that, but at some time – at some point, I just I, nah. I just think that it could be a, a a bit of a distraction. No, I think you know what it would be awesome if if he was in Buffalo and those two got to like hammer it out in a divisional playoff series. That oh, would be yeah. awesome. That oh would, no, it would. That would be great. It, it, it would. I I just here's the question mark that I have on everybody that that's just got to make me. I know the C to some people doesn't mean a damn thing, but in the NHL. The C means something. I remember, and this was probably 20 years ago, ESPN, or not ESPN, Sports Illustrated did an article on the C's in the NHL mm-hmm. and how, you know, they're the only one that puts a letter on the jersey. You know, all the other sports, you know, they have captains, but no one knows who they are. They don't have, it. it, it, it it's ceremonial. 
more or less, right? It has no meaning to it. Right. In the NHL, that C has meaning. It has a lot of meaning. And it's, it, you know, these the, the, it's important. It has, this is the guy that can talk to the umpire or the referees. This is the guy that helps with the, the lineup. There's a lot of things that the captain does, mm-hmm. right? It's important. It's extremely important in the NHL. Okay. Who's Calgary's captain? Yeah. This is, I think this is important. Calgary never named a captain. Not after Jordano. They have no. A's. They have no captain. Correct. And if Kachuk meant that much to them, if Kachuk was that guy, that guy, yep. even with Goudreau there, if Kachuk was that guy, why isn't he wearing a C? And that's a question I have. And, yeah. And, and I think it's a legitimate question. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. No doubt about right? it. And, and that's the the thing that you know the the locker room. You know what kind of locker room could absorb a, a talent and an ego like that? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's, that's exactly it. He's got to. He, he he. If he wants, if Matt Kachuk really wants to be that guy in the league, as much as I, you know, St. Louis is the right place for him. Right, but at the same time, he's got to really understand that if you want this, you got to make some sacrifices too, and one of your sacrifices might be a shorter contract for less money to get you to that level that you can be where you want to be. Very interesting. Very interesting. That's uh... no agent. No agent would ever tell him that unless they were a really smart, forward-thinking agent. That's a great point. That really is. Well, they got to what August eleventh. Is that when they're having the uh, the hearing for his uh, his arbitration? Uh it's, it's, it's the, um, August eleventh now, and I think that he will. I think he'll get traded before that date. I think so too. But but at the same time, it, it really, it, it you know, it's Calgary's decision, and, and Calgary. If if I'm Calgary, okay, you know what? He's not on my cap. He doesn't take the contract. What does it hurt me? What does it hurt me? I wanted this. I'm not going to get it. What I'm going to get ain't worth. Ain't worth. I think Calgary has some some power where they can just say, you know what? Don't sign. Right. You don't hurt us. Right. You don't go against our cap. And they still got his rights. And they still got his rights. Exactly. Ex- yeah, you know, you're right. Cal- Calgary, Calgary does have the right to hold out. And, and that's why I think, and, and, and that's the other thing that, I've had Tony Twist on my show, Mm -hmm. and Twist told me that he doesn't watch modern-day hockey, and I asked him why. He says, because too many players worry about the name on the back instead of the name on the front. Mm. Right? And and that, unfortunately, Mm. is what's happening here, is it's sounding like Kachuk's more worried about the name on the back than the name on the front. Yeah, that's... And and that, that can put people off. That can, you know, and then... And again, who would have thought Goudreau ends up in, in Columbus? Well, that, there you go. And that's what I mean about a team coming out of the weeds. Say like a Buffalo Sabres that entered the conversation. Columbus wasn't as much out of the weeds as everybody thinks it is. It was really the only team he was negotiating with. It's just they kept it really quiet. Right. Right? They kept it quiet. You know, um, to me, the shocker of free agency, and I love it, is Kadri. I know. Well, he wants to go back to Colorado in the worst way. They just can't make it work money money wise right now. No, they don't want. I don't think Colorado wants them. 
not at the kind of money that he wants. No way. Yeah, well, he, I, I don't think they want him, period. If they wanted him, he's gone, he's, it's gone what, almost a week now, right? Um, over a week. And he hasn't signed. Remember um, in, in 20, uh, 2021, 2020, 2021, Matt Hoffman? Matt Hoffman's going to get $6 million. Matt Hoffman's going to get $7 million for all these years. No one wanted it. You know, yeah. he ends up signing with the Blues for four mil. Right. A one-year deal, right? Um, Cod, you may have to do something like that because I, I'll be honest, teams know he is what he is, and they're not looking at that 80-point season thinking they're going to get that again. Not, well, especially now, what is he, 31, 32 years old? Yeah. So you can't really necessarily give him a lot of term. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't stand the guy. I, I think he's one of the worst things that ever happened to hockey. Yeah, I remember the first time I was on your show, uh, you were not thrilled with him at all. <laughs> and we, we, we won't go there again because, again, I don't want to get I don't want to get your blood pressure <laughs> up. Not this early in the morning for you. So no problem, bud. Well, guy, this has been an awesome, awesome time, man. Tell us a little bit about your show. Okay, my show is the Blue Note Fan Report. Do you, if I got a couple of minutes, are you absolutely. Good? Go ahead. I know we're running. I know we're running way long. I don't know how your po- how long your podcast normally goes, but. Uh, it actually started after I had a mental breakdown, right? Uh, in 2018, kind of, you know, my, my PTSD and some other things set in, and I, I lost it. And in late 2018, I started doing some updates about my, my treatment in a, in a veterans group, and it translated into me, you know what, why don't I just do some rants about the blues live and see what happens? And it And it morphed into this type of show and, and my show's changed it went from a, a a studio type show like what we're doing now recorded i would do skits and things like that but where now i do a very live show almost nightly and i cover as any and all topics and i let the fans have as much of a say in it as yes, anything else um it, it's important that fans get their say because they don't and uh, you know you get all this stuff on youtube or on facebook and the groups and all that stuff and the fan really doesn't get to, to, to state what they want to say. And I try and give the fan that opportunity to talk, to, to see what's up. And I, and I, I want to say this. I have some very intelligent listeners, right? Even when I bring fans in from other teams, they will ask them questions about those teams. I, I get guys that come from, from all around, and they, and they really want to know. They want to learn. They want to understand what's going on in the game. And I, I always say, never look at the surface. But what you see on the surface is never what's going on. It's always what's under the surface that counts. It's undercurrent of the game that everybody misses that that's so important. And, and that's what I try and do. I try and impart the undercurrent. You know, on the surface, Mack and Chuck, the greatest player that the Blues could get right now. Okay, under the surface, got to give up to getting. Right. Think about that. Right. What are you losing to get him? There's so much more there. Okay, now you're you're making your offense this much better, but how much worse are you making your defense? Exactly. Right. What, exactly. what what are you losing? What are you losing in your in your neutral zone game, which is one of the Blues' worst aspects? By bringing him in, what are you going to take away from the neutral zone game? Right. That's your that's your aspect that you need to fix the most to get to that next level. Right. Uh, your locker room. How solid is your locker room right now? What is this going to do to your locker room? So, so there's a bunch of things that come around in that aspect that make me think uh, that, that I try and bring to my show 
Um, it's on YouTube. It's on uh, Twitter uh, and Facebook. Uh, Facebook, it's either on my page, Guy Bensing, my, or it's on uh, the Blue Note Fan Report you can, that has its own page, or in my group, the Hawaii STL Blues Fan Clan. I got to make sure I say that with a C. <laughs> and then on Twitter, I have a couple of different accounts. I have at H-I-S-T-L Blues Fan, at STL Fan Report, and at uh, Blue Note Report. That is so awesome. I put it on. I put it on there. I put it out in many places as I can, and then I'm trying to. I, I I'm trying to be a writer. I just right now got some things going on that have stopped me from writing regularly. But I write on my fan report. I write for uh, Inside the Rink, and I also write. I did do some writing for Full Press. Very cool, man. Very cool. And yeah, that's a. You know what? You know what I like about your show too is that you have uh, guests from like other teams on. So you're not yeah. in a constant blues echo chamber. You get the different nope, nope. different perspectives and different opinions, which is really cool. And uh, and again, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. We we really appreciate it. And you've got to come back on again sometime. This is too much fun. Anytime, Scott. Anytime. You know, um, I, I I tell my fans this: if you only watch the blues, you're missing so much. You got to yeah. know what the other teams are doing and how they play to understand how your team is playing against them. Absolutely, and it breaks up the monotony sometimes too. Say again, it, it breaks up the monotony sometimes too. Oh no, it does. It, it, it opens up. It opens up your eyes to a much different perspective. It's it's the difference of sitting in the in the in behind the blues bench, sitting in the rafters. Yeah, absolutely. Right, absolutely. Because you know the guys <laughs> in the rafters, everyone thinks, oh, they can't afford those. You know, they can't afford down here. No, they're sitting up there because it gives them a wider view of the of spectrum. They see plays happen. They see things happen. Um, I remember I was at a game not too, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I was with my niece. My niece. I, I have this beautiful little niece. She's uh, I think she's five or six now. She has Down syndrome. She, she's she's been diagnosed with Down syndrome. Hockey is her thing, right? She will sit and watch the. I mean, watch the game either on TV or at. She'll scream, "Let's go Blues!" and she's following it. She's sitting in my lap, and we're watching a play. It's the, we're playing the Sharks, and I see him enter the neutral zone. And as soon as they enter the neutral zone, I said, and I said it loud, they're going to score here. They turned around and scored. You should have seen like 25 heads snap and look at me. <laughs> like, how did you know that? This is what I saw. This is, you know, right. look at this. Look at this. Look at that. They're, they're, they're the things that I saw in the game, and, you know, people around me are just like astounded that I knew that that was going to happen. Right, it's that that style of game that I like to see. I look for the under the surface. Well, and that's where actually going to games really helps too, because you get to see the whole play develop as opposed to just only watching on TV. So that's yes. that's a huge thing. But again, man, this has been so much fun. I I, I totally appreciate you coming on, and uh, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Hey, anytime, Scott. All you got to do is call and ask, man, and I, I'm there for you. All right, brother. Well, hey, thanks again, and I will I'll be talking to you soon. So we'll we'll get together again. Oh, no problem, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. And by the way, you got to know that I'm bleeding blue with you. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Appreciate it. Oh, well, that's all we got this week for Marty's Illegal Stick, a hockey history podcast. Next week, we have got the author of Klondikers. It was a, an amazing story about a 1905 hockey team that traveled all the way from the Yukon to Ottawa to challenge for the Stanley Cup. His name is Tim Falconer. It's going to be a very interesting talk, to say the least. All right, so... 
Just so you know, you can find us on martyslegalstick.com. You can find us at the sportshistorynetwork.com. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and we're also at My Little Falls Facebook page, I believe, as well. <laughs> All right, anyways, for Dave the Save Warner, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Marty's Illegal Stick, a hockey history podcast. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. With every race, every qualifying run, and every pit stop, Tim Coffeen would feel the pressure and excitement. With his own podcast on the Sports History Network called Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History, Tim will share those very same racing emotions and memories with his listeners. Learn, laugh, and enjoy the world of IndyCar racing through the eyes of Tim Coffeen. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to Sports historynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.